Welcome to The Lonely Marketer, sponsored by Pager. My name is Glenn Southam, and this is your show for all things recruitment marketing. We share the challenges, the successes, advice, and the screw-ups from the leading marketing talent working in recruitment. And most importantly, find out what their favorite swear word is. We speak to the companies working to make marketing recruitment more effective and efficient, and to those people who have opinions that make you think about things that little bit differently. You can find me on LinkedIn, and if you want to follow the bear, then head over to thelonelymarketers.com for links to all of our social channels and to sign up for our newsletter. But now, it's time for the show. Let's do this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Lonely Marketer. Today, I'm joined by Josie Hughes. She's the Director of Marketing, Strategy and Culture at Highfield Professional Services. We'll probably use uh, HPS or something um, <laughs> throughout this show. Yeah. Uh, Josie is one of... Um, the few people in this industry who's been doing recruitment marketing and in that world for as long as I have so um uh not not to give her age away or anything like that but um this uh this episode uh hasn't happened for for one reason or another which we'll discuss a bit later but without further ado JC it's great to finally have you on the show lovely to be here thank you so much for your patience um and and obviously you're you're kind of three months into into a new role um but prior to that what we 17 nearly 18 years at Gattaca so just just for um just to to give that little bit of a color to the people listening um as much as you can whistle stop 18 odd years of of a career um let, let's uh, see how you start and how long this sure. takes <laughs> that's all right I'm gonna do it I'm gonna challenge myself I love a game I'm gonna do it three minutes here we go 18 years in three minutes um so yeah I've been in marketing probably about 25 years recruitment marketing for 18 um majority of them at Gattaca so I started there in 2004 uh they didn't have a marketing team at the time um, I came on, um, my husband actually got me the job there in 2004 because he worked there, um, promoting their new website. So they didn't have a team, but they're like, come and help us sell this new amazing website, matchtech.com. Um, they had about 120 people. And I think our kind of biggest selling point then was that we were the largest single site outside of London. And that was like a big deal then. Um, so I joined, set up the marketing team. Um, and then essentially it just grew and adapted with the market and our business strategy so at one point we had a graduate team that used to go out to all universities all over the country register you know thousands of graduates and then we would sell that in to clients um we had a cv sourcing team at one point because these new fancy job boards came out and so we had a huge team of people just downloading cvs and adding them to the database um calling them resourcing them then digital team so we decided to make matchtech.com the largest or uh, most influential engineering job board so we had like seo experts um content that kind of thing um brand team at one point um so again had, i think like, oh peak i was trying to work it out i think it was about eight brands we used to manage before we got rid of some and uh, kind of joined other ones together yeah. um then we did marketing campaigns so we had uh, campaign managers and they would do things like look at the jobs that we were losing so which ones aren't we filling and it was something like you know we need more mechanical engineers so we'd come up with personas and write campaigns and try and get lots of them onto the database so huge kind of array of things but um we always used to say nine out of every 10 pounds of our marketing budget was spent on candidate attraction so i would say on the whole the majority of my 
career has been candidate attraction. Um, up until probably a few years before I left Skatica, we set up an employer branding consultancy agency. So we'd go into clients and work with them on their EVPs and their employer branding. Everyone's do doing that now. Yeah, I know. There you go. Um, and I loved that part. That was definitely one of the highlights of uh, my career there. Um, and then right at the end, Jack Martin, who you've actually had on your podcast, yes. um, came in, took over, and he had a lot more focus on clients and loads more lead generation and did that far better than I could ever do it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my kind of whistle stop bit. I think the summary is we adapted the marketing strategy in line with what was going on in the market and with the business strategy. So I'm very passionate about strategic marketing. So like making sure marketing is helping us to hit the kind of business goals. So it just kind of ebbs and changed and different skill sets over the years to meet what we needed to help the company. And we'll we'll, we'll dive into um, kind of your your move to, to HPS uh, a little bit later and talk about, talk about that role. But also whilst you're at Gattaca, um, you, you know, before we uh, started recording, you said you, you spent 10 days at Stanford's kind of university yes. doing stuff. And in your own words, you said that was kind of life-changing kind of that yeah. kind of those 10 days why was absolutely. that absolutely yeah I was very lucky they sent me to Stanford to do a customer focused innovation um I would say at my core I've always been very customer focused that's a big part of um my passion and that course was in the morning you learned you went you had like lectures from different um lecturers Stanford's um experts all about consumerism people's minds psychology that kind of thing all about understanding people and then the afternoon we spent in the design school so the d school learning design thinking um and over the course of those days we learned to understand like go out speak to people understand what their kind of needs were or where you could see some pains design a product or a service prototype it test it and then um, take it all the way through um, to completion and it was yeah, it was life changing because it was um, really came away from that and really understanding that how much businesses have to be customer focused. Yeah. And one of the best lecturers I had um, wrote a book and it was all about how they spent 50 years looking at all these businesses and why do some fail? Why are some um, successful? And he was like, in my 50 years, I'll tell you it in one minute, which is all businesses that are successful, ones that adapt and are customer focused. So you have to be ambidextrous. Um, have to evolve but in line with what customers need um, and there's some great examples that I might share with you later about businesses not knowing what customers want unless you really do design thinking with them yeah, um, yeah. so it was just yeah it was brilliant it was really really life-changing for me and then I can imagine you came, you came back, you came back into Gattaca and you just started annoying everyone yep. with all these new yep. ideas. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do this. And I probably thought, oh, why did we send her there? <laughs> you're very, uh, yeah, you're very accurate there. I think, I think um, we, we know, you know, recruitment companies, but it's all done with the best intentions. Yeah. And it's hard. It's like, so one of the things you learn is it's very, very difficult for a business to, um, disrupts themselves so to be truly customer focused you really need to be attacking your own business and looking at saying you know what's what if we weren't here what do customers really want you know um and to to grow your core business and to join disrupt it's really difficult and that's why businesses often have a totally separate arm that's doing that so you can't ask a leader who of a business who's trying to grow it to also try and disrupt it 
Um, Especially established brands and, you know, yeah. Gatka, Matchtech, they, 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 they're, they're brands that have kind of been around for a very, yeah. a very long time. And not even internally is that, you know, externally, I can imagine it, this is the essence of brand, isn't it? People form a perception of a brand and it's yeah. very hard to shake that unless it's a real dramatic shift. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll give you, I will give one example because I think it's such a brilliant one. But when we were there, a lady from Procter and Gamble, who was their head of innovation, spoke, and she said about how Pampers was really the nappy brand, mm -hmm. really, really failing at the time, and she got told to go and look at it. And um, they did design thinking, so they went out and interviewed all these mums at home, and basically they found out that um, when a baby's nappy leaks, they don't actually blame the nappy. So most parents will say, I didn't do it up tight enough or it's not my fault, I was tired and all this kind of thing. So they, essentially she went back and said, from doing all these interviews and watching mums in their house, um, they established that what they hated was the fact that they were using nappies. They felt awful about the landfill and they felt awful that they weren't the kind of mum that was using a cloth nappy. Um, and this, this was probably about 25 years ago, this study. So what they did then was they went back and she, she said, let's sack loads and loads of the scientists and, the, and take investment out of absorbency. And so the whole company were like, you're bonkers. Like they ha nappies have to absorb. And she's like, no, don't need them to be as absorbent. We need them to be softer and have designs on them. So now you get like the Winnie the Pooh ones and the Cars yeah. ones and Disney. Um, and they went right to the top of the market. So again, it's yeah. like if you said make them less absorbent, people would be like, you're crazy. But yeah. again, it's really understanding what people don't like about your product. Yeah, I suppose, and you know, that takes us nicely into, you know, in, into our world, in the, in, into the world of recruitment. And, you know, the, one of my bugbears is, is our very much sometimes our internal phrasing of, of candidate candidates and, and clients yeah. and, and forgetting about everyone else around probably the majority of of people around it but when you kind of came back and you were you were chatting around um uh, kind of finding out what customers want and the design uh thinking what 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 was your approach to you know from the very start of taking this approach through how how did you um how did you kind of yeah it was yeah it was really difficult because again like I said we came back in and I uh we were also right in the middle of trying to implement a, a set marketing strategy and everyone had their own kind of business strategy so like I said to try and disrupt some of that was difficult especially in a bigger company but I'd say the best example I had was was the employer branding consultancy so that was really understanding especially for big bids if we went into and worked with a Good company that was you know doing some recruit process outsourcing or a managed agency they ultimately didn't want to use recruitment mm. and that's unfortunately a lot of people don't want to use recruitment agencies it's like you've said it before it's a necessary evil mm. but what they want to do is they know they don't have a brand in that market or they can't attract the right level of staff or so that's where the employer branding came in and again there was um some uncertainty about it so it was going in and saying that we'll build your brand so you don't need to use a recruitment agency in some areas of your business like some areas you'll always need us because it's hard to find stem skills you're gonna you know it's really difficult we get them from international blah 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 but in other areas you could build your own brand um and you could do campaigns with your brand and not our brand um and so that again it's not really really innovative these days but at the time it was seen quite disruptive because our sales pitch was making them better at attracting their own staff yeah. um 
so yeah that was putting that together get, there was a fight internally to get it uh and we almost had to test it again prototype it and it was I remember getting down to the last two to do all the recruitment marketing for BMW and us being like, oh, have we bitten off more than we can chew here? Yeah. Um, and ultimately it went to some London employer agency. But um, yeah, we were like, we got down to the last two. This is brilliant. There's definitely something here. So it's proving it internally. But yeah. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's having the fight, I think, to know it's genuinely what customers want. Yeah. And I think what you say on that customers want as well, and I think your, your Pampers example um, kind of, triggered this thought is that when it comes to our recruitment businesses in general the the contingency uh, based mm -hmm. ones and as marketers we really do um obsess uh, quite rightly so in a lot of cases around you know making really great content that's added value and things yeah but the the reality is that at a candidate side and or at a client side all of that means nothing if our approach to the customer, if we're not giving feedback, if the communication's not right at a consultant level, it's yeah. it's a little bit re redundant. And and I think as marketers, we probably don't do enough as a as a collective here um, yeah. in, in influencing that and shouting about how it is important in terms of behaviours. And that's you know that that whole disconnect between sales and marketing. Yeah, definitely. I think I think marketing's role is to really be promote the customer, really understand the customer. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like you said, even in contingency, what we can offer them is our knowledge. And you talked about it before we joined the um, the podcast. But again, the kind of people you're looking at recruiting and data is brilliant. People do want our market intelligence. And I don't know about you, when you sit in meetings of recruitment consultants and they talk about the industry and they'll say, oh, this competitor's paying this much money. And, you know, your competitor over here is doing this at the moment with their culture. Yeah. And they really, really can give on that, that in market intelligence. That's what they don't have. They just sit in their own corporate company and don't know what the market and their competitors are doing. Yeah. There's things like that, like really upskilling. How are we helping them to be good at their job? Um, and even with clients, like we think it's they just want to put a bum on a seat. I think it's very easy for recruitment consultants to think that, but ultimately they're a person who are part of maybe a bigger project. To, it might be to reduce recruitment fees. Most of the time it's probably to deliver a really important project or for them to get promoted, they need to do something. So really getting to the bottom of what's that person trying to achieve and then when you talk to them, linking everything back to that rather than just have you got the job spec, you know, yeah. who, um, what's the culture like there? Those bigger questions. How did, um, you, you know, it's obvious that you're very passionate about kind of the, the customer and stuff. Um, did that just did that just like naturally evolve throughout your kind of career for, you know, like you say, from when you started at, at Gatica, your role was very different on that yeah. day one as it was at day 4000 or, or whatever, or whatever <laughs> it is, is afterwards. Was there was there kind of moments in in your career that you kind of identify as those kind of crossroads in, in shifting approaches? And, and was that you? Was it the business? Um. I think I've just always been people focused. Yeah. I think that's the thing. But I do, you're right in the fact that I think it'll probably be one of the uh, training sessions you have, like, you know, you do all the different uh, aptitude or personality tests and things. Probably one of them that I realised quite how much that I'm, um, I always come out as customer focused, but also really purpose driven. So I have to know in my personal life and in my work life, mm. what the purpose is and what I'm doing things for. And that's when I look at, 
times I've been in conflict at work yeah. or in personal life, it's when I'm not achieving something towards a bigger purpose. Gotcha. Um, so I have to know what we're doing is for the right reasons or for, it's good for the end customer. I, I'd never be able to just do something because it's how we make money. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I've probably learned over the years more about myself as, as I've got older. But yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely always had that real customer focus. And, and just um, just before we kind of uh, kind of move on to kind of where you are now in your new role, there'll be there'll be quite a lot of people listening who are you know earlier on in their careers looking um, to you know what's the next step? Do we do we hang around in in the same company? Do I look for for new opportunities? Obviously, you're you're very much a, a hang around in a company <laughs> looking at your look at looking at your career, but. You, you must have had countless opportunities to to move to different companies and, and new roles, probably even more money and and, and stuff and stuff like that. But what what was it that kind of you know kept you staying for for yeah. like a quite long period of time? It's like different businesses. This is the thing yeah. you often hear people say this, but when like I said, it was one hundred and twenty when I started, people. I think our peak was a thousand. We yeah. had about 14 international offices at one point. And I think at one point, I think my team had about 18 people, but at other points, four. Um, we went down to, you know, 500 people. So it was just constantly changing. And because I, uh, like I said, marketing has to adapt to fit the business strategy and the market, it was always new. So doing the marketing planning and strategy. It wasn't like we were doing. If it was the same every year, I think I would have got really bored. Yeah, you um, see, it's, uh, there's quite defined chapters in the yeah, company. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I think looking back and like I could always theme each year and be like, that was this yeah. year. This is about you know growing brands. This was about growing international business. One year was about floating on a stock exchange in 2006. Yeah, that was a huge learning curve for me. And then we went through <laughs> acquisitions. So I just I feel very fortunate when I look back at it and think how much I learned during that time and again probably a bit to do with trust so my um manager for many years was Matt Rag, who's now the CEO of Gasca recently but he was just very empowering and uh did trust me to get on with things um so I do think I look back at that and think yeah we were kind of trusted to form the team we needed for what yeah. the business needed All, um, and it's that kind of like always moving forward either as a business and as yeah. professionally as well yeah I think but again I do think that customer focus bit so when I was the employer branding is definitely the peak of my career at Gatica like I really that was in terms of my happiness yeah. um and yeah that was kind of the last four to five years of being that was one part of the role that we did and I think that was really inspiring to me so I loved that The Lonely Marketer is sponsored by Pager Pager builds your brand not just your company but your recruiters personal brands too Pager is used by over 4,000 recruiters every day to share content on LinkedIn and branded jobs, driving traffic back to your website and plugging straight into Google Analytics. The all-in-one tool that 360 recruiters love and marketers need. To find out why we won Recruit Marketing Solution of the Year twice in a row, head over to pager.co. That's P-A-I-G-E-R.co to find out more. Your Gatka um, chapter ended uh, yeah. in April this year 2022 yeah. for for anyone who's um who's listening in not 2022 um <laughs> and 
you made you mentioned uh earlier your your husband Sam who got yeah. you kind of a job at Gatska um and then he left Gatska and set up yeah. um a new a new recruitment business um which which you've now joined um very very sadly your your husband passed away um yeah and so I can imagine this is been quite a you know an emotional move but equally you know knowing you and speaking to you this isn't just an emotional move it's a, it is a professional move as well but you know to to turn uh kind of the, the chat a little bit more I just um I, I want to kind of talk a, bit, a little bit about like dealing with with grief and and you know one of one of the reasons why we're having this conversation now and not you know um, yeah. earlier on is because if you know literally I think it was a day before we were due to record you sent me an email um saying that that, that Sam's treatment kind of wasn't working um and we'd have to we'd have to postpone it um but you know you, you're kind enough to talk about um to talk about this process and I think it's something that that we don't talk about enough. Um, obviously, all the, all the news at the moment around Deborah, Deborah James passing away yeah. has brought it a lot more to the, the, the kind of the public forefront. But you know, dealing with um, kind of grief and and work, it, it's something that unfortunately quite a lot of us have to do. You know, I, mm. I've I've had to I had to do it myself. I, I, I said I said to you that with the day we're recording now it's it's exactly 10 years 10 years ago since my mum passed away and you know I I was very much in the mindset of I'm going straight back to work I literally had 24 hours off and went and went straight back to work it was a different environment I didn't have kids and stuff at that mm. at that point but firstly thank you for talking about it but you know this is kind of you said you you love talking about Sam yeah. and, and everything like that but how you know how how has it been for for you personally and 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 kind of your your outlook on work and your career and obviously now your new chapter at HPS yeah um thank you for asking I think I feel really passionately about talking about grief I think it's such a um I think we've got a lot better um yeah. in cultures but I think that it's yeah, people feel awkward about it because you think you're going to upset someone. And I put myself in that category. I look back um, before I'd lost Sam. And, I, and I've had quite a lot of trauma, actually. My, my cousin was killed when she was 14, and I lost quite a lot of family members close to me. And then Sam was diagnosed, and our son was two, and he was 32. Um, and so we've had, he fought for seven years. So we've had multiple kind of scans and um, operations and things like that. But um, I just yeah I just I look back and even during that time I don't think I appreciate it enough until I've gone through this grief with Sam mm. that people just want to talk about them you're upset anyway you're just you know just mentioning them is actually a joy to people it keeps them alive um but to go back to the work thing so I yeah in uh, he died in September of bowel cancer um and then in April this year there I had a conversation with Liam so he him and Liam set up the business in 2006 um and they um had this vision basically of building a business that was brilliant for people to work at so a great place to work but also really customer focused really, that was really they're really passionate about that um i've worked at Gattaca, they've worked there for years and years 
And then after Sam died, Liam really struggled as well. And, you know, he never wanted to run the business on his own. Um, they, we had lots of conversations. He had a, an away day with all his leadership team. They looked at their vision for the company and what they want to achieve. He spoke to me about it afterwards. And again, it was all about trust. So they built all this trust internally, which we can talk about in a minute, but um, taking it external and really building trust, long-term relationships with customers and putting the customer first. And as soon as he talked to me about that, I was like, I really want to be part of that. So there's definitely the emotional part of being part of the company that Sam grew, but there's also that I really bought into that vision and the purpose of what they're trying to achieve. So that's the reason why I left and joined in April. But um, but yeah, it's 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 been awful. Obviously, it's been um, a horrendous few years. And last year really took a turn. So this time last year, Sam became very unwell. Um, died in September. Um, but I was reflecting on it before talking to you today. I think how how I survive is, and I've always been a bit like this, is I have to find the light in dark situations. And it's, it's not easy, but it's trying to look at, you know, I, I made the decision, I cannot let myself die with him. I've got, you know, I've got a 10-year-old boy with nine at the time. Um, and I listened to, I don't know if you've ever listened to Mo Godat. Yes, um, yeah. Uh, and he's, if anyone hasn't, like, go and look up Mo Godat. He's incredible. I think and he did an episode did, with Stephen Bartley. Yes, that's so the really ago. good one, actually. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, he's done another one recently, but he's done two with Stephen, um, a diary of a CEO. But he talks about how his son died um, and his son died of appendicitis, completely should not be dying having a routine appendicitis. But his whole approach was do, you know, do I spend my life angry about this or do we take the essence of what is him forward in life? And that is what I live by. So Sam was an incredible person that had a massive impact on those people's lives. And so I just spent a long time thinking, what is it about Sam and how can we keep that alive? So things like Sam was a really big gardener um which loads of people weren't really surprised about actually but he um he loved tulips and roses and when he at his memorial we gave everyone tulips and then in this spring this year everyone shared these photos of their tulips everywhere um his friends organized a memorial match for him this year because he loved football and charity and um so little things like that we just continually and today in fact we've released his t-shirts with be more Sam on because that became a bit of a hashtag after he died um, and his friends done them to raise money for Balbay charity. Yeah. So it's things like that where you're like, I just see it as my job to one. I've got this huge purpose, which is to bring his, up his son, um, our son. But you know, I, yeah. I'm lucky enough that I'm privileged to be able to do that, and he's not. So I have to do a good job of that. Um, but yeah, that that's, that's kind of what keeps me going is yeah. thinking about how can I do that. Um, I think we we associate the the grieving process just generally as humans as as being sad you know yeah and and um you know it, I mentioned my mum it took me a hell of a long time I, I you know I I just I didn't talk to anyone it was it was kind of it's okay you know it, it was that classic um just you no know, like a, a swan I was fine fine on the outside but underneath the water you know it was mm -hmm. it was a little bit of chaos and it's probably only been the past past couple of years that not not to come to terms with it, but probably getting into into that into that place um, that that you sound like you're at now, and I, I think that's that's um, 
that's the result of of having young young kids and, yeah, and, and, that, and that focus um kind of a lot more you've mentioned um you mentioned a couple of times there kind of purpose vision you really bought into it at, at higher field and things yeah. and i can imagine the whole experience uh with sam and, and like you say this you've you've effectively been grieving for such a long time because of yeah. how long ago the, the the kind of the diagnosis was um, but it, do, you, do you feel like that whole experience just like obviously it changes your life and you as a yeah. person but from a from a career point of view like your yeah. focus what you want to look at what you want to be a part of that that kind of really laser focused it yeah definitely I think um because again with the, the purpose and what Liam's doing now running Highfield is it is all about that customer focus and customer first and because Sam was so passionate about that again it's I'm bought, I would have been bought into it anyway that is it's such a good vision that I'd been yeah. bought into but I also do have that bit at the back of my mind where I'm like I'm helping to bring that vision which was Sam's yeah. to life as well which definitely drives me but um in terms of general life I think it's it's really changing again it is the old cliche but it Sam very much didn't let cancer define him and he was so he was so poorly and he had all these operations and all this treatment for years and years and years but he would always we, we had the most incredible holidays um and we lived for like the gaps in his treatment mm. and we just had all these memories that Finn got so he was like I said he was two when he was diagnosed nine when he died but he he's he, his memories are full of stuff that we did together and that was Sam's mindset which yeah. is that kind of live life to the full um and so I'd say how that's really changed me is things like I'd always say to people that like, you don't um appreciate your health it's so and it's so difficult to do that until you've had something like this but it never underestimate just being able to walk up the stairs like small things that until it's gone you're you just need to appreciate your health and do fun things so with Finn the one thing he talks about all the time with Sam his favorite memories when he took him out of school and he didn't even tell me I was away on a Hindu <laughs> and he went and got Finn out of school and the next picture I knew was them at the Eiffel Tower and I was like what <laughs> and he'd gone and taken him out flown from Southampton airport to Paris and they had a weekend in Paris he missed like Friday of school and, and a bit of Monday and Finn's like that is the best memory I've got. So it's stuff like that, like be spontaneous with your kids. Who cares if they miss a day of school? Like seriously, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that. As long as they haven't got an exam, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just you know, live, yeah, live life to the full and do the stuff you want to do. And work is a part of your life. Um, and this Massive again, part, yeah, it's a part of your life, but it's your life is the important bit. And that's what I love to see with the way that one of the bonuses of COVID and now is businesses trying to get that work-life balance right um it's a big part of your life so you should definitely enjoy the process of working but um yeah it should it you should be working enjoying it but really really living your life with your family and putting them first and your friends whatever, whatever it is that motivates whatever your purpose is in life making yeah. sure it's the right balance i think yeah and and obviously i mentioned right at the beginning of the podcast your role at um highfield isn't just a kind of a marketing role it yeah. is um you know got the, your strategy and culture strands on it on it as well so what what does you know what does that look like now I, I appreciate yeah. it's only been three or four months but what does that look like for you know the the business in in terms of moving forward because rightly so it feels like 
there is a little bit of a um, you know a shift in recruitment businesses from from what we would have known from from years mm. gone by in terms of really focusing and taking a purpose kind of led approach um, and caring about the, the the well-being but what's that look like for you know yeah. for Highfield um, now and in the future do you think? I feel like a bit of a fraud because I've come in with this culture in my job title but I'm joining a business that has an amazing uh, culture so it's you know that's nothing to do with me at the moment, but yeah. Um, yeah, Liam is a really, really good leader. And again, it's these things where you look at it from the outside. It's not till I joined it. I'm like, this is, you know, it is authentic. It, once you're employed, we are trusted from day one. Um, and so we do, we won the first recruitment agencies, not the first, but one of the first to do the four day week. So every, we always have Fridays off every week. And um, we now have unlimited holiday, which was suggested by um, we have a colleague board, which is people across the business get together and suggest ideas. Um, I think back to Gattaca years ago. And it's like there's no way we would have done that. Absolutely no way. Um, but again, it's this trust culture. So it's not on um, it's on outputs, not inputs. So you're trusted to do your job. You're told what a good job is. And then, you know, you can if you can do it in four days, it, you know, if you can do it with multiple holidays, you want to go to Thailand for three weeks, fine. Um, so I think it's just evolving that over time, which is like, what what's the next thing we can do to help that well-being and that work-life balance? And if you get that right, people are going to want to work for you and they're going to want to do well um, yeah. for themselves. And for, for us, that's the next phase of that is the customer focus yeah. um, and making people buy into that bigger purpose so it isn't you know it's not about you must make money for the company it's like you must um make sure we we're doing a good job for our customers and then all of that and stuff the money and the money will come yeah 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 i think yeah. um for, for anyone who's listening and wants to kind of dig into a bit more into the kind of the highfield story and liam's been mentioned multiple times here um if you if you hunt out um Sean Anderson's rag podcast uh, Liam was on an episode of that uh, not that not that long ago so um, kind yeah. of kind of dig that out um cool right let's find out a little bit more about you with five five quick five <laughs> quick questions uh, what's your favorite brand favorite brand um so I want to say Lego but so many people have said it I won't, but but just the reason why for me for Lego is one it's play but also their marketing like Julia Gold in there cmo is amazing and they they do things like they cover diversity really well stem their um what's their campaign or oh, rebuild the world they did where it's like children trying to solve i just think they do such good marketing but i would say netflix um because not just because they did stranger things which is reason enough but um they are very customer first so you've got that age-old example and we we learned about this at stanford as well where you know they went to Blockbusters and said, you know, do you want to buy us out? You'll solve your customers' problems. And Blockbusters said no. Um, but don't know if everyone knows the reason why they said no. And it's ultimately because they weren't, not, weren't customer focused. Um, because do you, do you know what their biggest Blockbusters at the time, what their biggest source of income was? I, I don't know, the popcorn that they sold at the tills? See, it's so funny how we say that. It's, I think Snacks was right up there. But no, it was their late fees. So they made loads and loads of money on late fees. Um, so they were like, why would we give people, you know, streaming online? We'll lose all our late fees. 
really insular, really non-customer focused and ultimately went out of business. Whereas Netflix are completely customer focused and everything they do is about, you know, satisfying the customer. So. Oh, yeah. And 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 we just swallow the the little incremental increases in price every six months, don't we? Because we do it so much. Mm. Yeah. What about uh, the a bit of uh, tech or software that you couldn't live without, either at home or in the at work? Um, mine is actually my rocket book. So huh? you know, there's like the um, I went to look at the remarkable uh, notepad, but that's yes. really expensive. So I ended up buying like the Amazon version, which is a rocket book. Um, right, I'm going to write this down because I've been looking at Remarkables and I was just like, oh, I know, I know. Rocketbook's good. I think you, it's um, so ultimately it's a, a notepad, but it's um, wipe clean, so you can use it. And then even if you just did that and then wipe clean, very good for the environment. But you take a picture of it through the app, and it either just you can save the picture of the notes, or it will annotate it. So when I first started at Highfield, I was going around and I interviewed everyone and I asked the same questions. So what I would do is have the questions written down, but I'd write all the answers and then I'd like wipe out the answers and it was just saving me loads and loads of time. The massive thing you need to be aware of is handwriting. So beginnings of meetings, it annotates my notes really well. Towards the end of the meetings, it's like the struggles because I get really spidery. No, but, Josie, um, no. <laughs> yeah. Your handwriting's good. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, look, you've, na- you've named it, so it must be good. There'll be plenty of people. You, you should have, we, we'll have to throw in an affiliate link into the notes or something, <laughs> so you make some money out of it. Um, what about um, the sound, you know, your favourite sound? I love, this is my favourite question you ask people. Yeah. I love listening to Sarah's answers. Um, mine is uh, my garden, which, because Sam was such an yeah. avid gardener, I love being in the garden now, and he's got this huge kind of rose garden, which is lovely. Um so sitting in the garden and listening to the birds and our next door neighbour's got a big water feature. So it's got this like trickling water. And I know water comes up a lot in people's answers, but like sitting outside and even you asking me this question, I was like, I need to thank you for asking me because it reminded me of um, last summer when Sam was really unwell. We used to sit outside and he'd fall asleep on me and I'd be sat in the garden and we'd be listening to the birds and, and I've started doing it again recently and it wasn't until you asked that question I was like that's a really lovely memory that I hadn't actually remembered so oh, good good uh, sometimes you know I don't know what answer I'm going to get to this question but the way you speak about it I've got the feeling you might say I'm doing it already but if you could do any kind of job, job in the world uh, <laughs> what would it be um so I was just thinking something where you're playing like I do I did teaching so um, I had a little career break where I went back to work and did my teacher training. Um, then I started my job at what was Matchstick at the time, Gattaca, um, and I never left. Yeah. But I, if teaching was teaching where you don't have all the paperwork and it's keeping you away from all the kids, um, I would love to do teaching. Um, and in lockdown, I look back at that as well and I think I'm so lucky because me and Sam taught Finn. Um, and we, I did things like, we had Harry Potter themed week, which Finley was like rolling his eyes up. It was basically for me. I was like, <laughs> he could make potions and <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, that's good. And it's been a very non-sweary episode, but you know, you're, you're, you're a mum with, mum with a kid. You must swear, you must swear, you must swear now and again. What, what is your go-to swear word? Oh uh, yeah, I swear a lot. Um, prick. Yeah. I think there's nothing better than calling, yeah. <laughs> calling someone yeah. prick. And uh, it's, our social services will probably be asking me, but I think sometimes, especially when you've got a 10-year-old, 
<laughs> and they're shouting at you a lot and he's like it's nothing better than going into another room being like oh, you're being such a prick today yeah <laughs> there we go and, uh, i remember sam's oncologist saying it's actually really really good for you to swear it actually reduces like it releases loads of these stress releasing hormones yeah so, um, you always yeah you often see like those random study it's usually in something like the metro a study comes up like that so yeah, yeah. it's good it's good yeah. to swear it's good to swear uh Josie, we we're done and dusted. Thank like thank you. Thank you so much. You're I'm welcome. glad I'm glad we got it done. Um really I've got a question it. for you, actually. Oh. oh. Um talking about grief and talking yeah. about the kind of mogul that um taking the essence of someone and yeah. it being your mum's 10-year anniversary. What's the kind of thing, what would your mum teach me in oh. you know, what's what would you say is something that's really um about her? What's the essence of her that's really stuck with you? Um I th- I think my God, you've caught me off guard here James. <laughs> we did discuss this I, I i think it was it was probably a little bit to to her detriment and it's a balance right is that she always put everyone kind of before herself uh mm-hmm. like but that that was to the detriment of her of her health um some people might know if they've um kind of read my 20 questions that i did with hung lee and things is that you know, she actually passed away because of um, kind of alcohol addiction, but that that was that was because I don't know. She just she did she didn't kind of love herself. So in mm. a weird perverse way, I'd I'd probably say is take the time to love yourself. Yeah, uh, and yeah. you know take take some care there. Um, you know, it's it was I I went through horrible stuff of anger, calling my mum yeah. selfish and and everything you know you know alcoholism's a, a you know it is a it is an addiction um yeah. and she she had it for years and years as not as long as I can remember but for a fair whack and you know that anger and, and stuff but over time you you realize that it's um it is down to a little bit of uh you know just bit of self-love and I think yeah. you know, if if anyone can learn anything is like don't put kind of too much pressure on on yourself you don't need to please everyone all of the time to the detriment yeah. of your own health and, and well-being so take some yeah, time look yourself. yourself and 100%, yeah yeah 100 yeah. thank you thank no you th- thanks for asking um but yeah thank you for for opening up loads of loads of insight um I'm really excited to see um how Highfield's kind of journey goes with you uh you heading up the uh MSC uh <laughs> kind of uh culture there um and and as well you know as a little little nugget to end on like as a as a thank you um I can't remember how many years ago probably 10 years ago now when I was having a little bit of a career crisis and was looking to leave jobs and things um I actually went and met uh met Josie for a potential kind of role uh, I'm not even sure Gattaca existed back then whatever it was and 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 you just said Glenn you're too good to be here at part of my team go go <laughs> go and take control of your own career and then it, it, I think it genuinely did give me a kick up the backside so um I've done all right since then so, so you've done brilliantly you've done brilliantly and right. uh, yeah well done again for doing the um community it's so brilliant every day you know it's really good so well done thank you and thank you everyone for listening um we'll speak to you very soon 